0: For this podcast, these 15 to 17 minutes, which is the max I'd like to do, um, I have my uh, dear friend and um, someone who is very inspiring and I personally look up to, uh, Damien Warren-Smith, next to me. Uh, He is the creator of The Gary Star? Gary Star. Gary Star? But Instagram is at The Gary Star. The
1: Gary Star, because there's another Gary Star. (laughs) i The Gary Starr.
0: The Gary Starr, double R, double R.
1: Yes, The Gary Star two R's in Gary, two R's in star, four R's in total.
0: And the reason, to me personally, why you're inspiring is because I think I relate to your journey a little bit, and we met and you told me uh, your story. So I thought it would be good if other people can hear your story. You have said this before, but not on my podcast, so here we go. Yes. Um. So, Damien. Yes. How did... uh? Am I right in thinking that Gary Starr is, the, is for now the main thing to talk about? It's a show that you've created, but I'm actually more interested in how you've found this one thing that is now the one thing. Because um, I think, am I right in thinking that early 2017 or late 2016 even, the world, no, late 2017, the world was very different for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Which is just a year ago.
1: Yeah, so I, I think, so the character Gary Starr started to emerge in a, a clown troupe I was part of called the Plague of Idiots, which I actually started with some fellow graduates from Gollier.
0: And what is Gollier?
1: Gollier is—it's uh, a clown school. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, 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 it's a man's name, Philippe Gollier, mm. um, and he runs a clown school, or well, a theatre school, but it's more famous for clown than anything else, and it's just just south of Paris.
0: And um, sorry, how long were you there for?
1: I did two terms, so I've done—I—I went straight there and did the first term of the second year, which was the clown module. As well as uh, le jeu, which is the first, you know, sort of section of the first year. Then I went away for a year and came back and completed the first term of the first year. Not not the normal way of doing things.
0: But uh, I'm sorry to already interrupt because that's like poof, out of nowhere, you go to clown school, Gaulier, which is a renowned uh, school for acting and also clown. But before that, you had a journey already of performing. I was an actor, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I worked as an
1: actor for about ten. 10, 11 years before I went there, so I trained, you know, in a traditional drama school in Australia. Uh, I spent a year or so there, and then came to to London, and I worked on the fringe to begin with for a few years, and then got a break into a you know professional theatre, and then started to tour. Um, I did a little bit of little bit of TV um, commercials, a little bit of film, but mostly I did theatre and touring theatre, and then I started to specialize more and more in multi-role. So I'd be brought in to play, you know, four or five characters in a in a show silly hat silly costume silly wigs silly walks stuff like that um, and, then, uh, and then that's when I discovered that I had a flair for comedy mm-hmm. but the thing that really um, that I well I think I, I stumbled pos- upon clown not really realising before that this was a, uh, a theatrical thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, uh, and then found it really challenging and so followed that I was like okay this is interesting so I sort of gave up acting I guess to go to clown school
0: when you say, um, you felt your well, a bit I don't know actually what you said, but ability to comedy and then you skip to the word clown, is there a difference to you? Or what is what is clown to you? What does it mean?
1: Well I think I was talking I think I what I mean by that is comedic acting, like I was mm-hmm. doing plays, comedy plays, where there's quite clearly a fourth wall, um, where you're given a script and you and you know the lines and you and you try and be funny, whereas clown was this whole new world to me where there's, there's no fourth wall. And the clown is like a big kid on the stage. And just it, more than anything, it was about listening. I still remember back when I was at drama school, one of my teachers saying to me, you need to work on your listening skills as an actor. Like listening to the other actor. Like, I didn't know what he meant. It's like, but I'm hearing everything they're saying. And then the two worlds where listening is, is right at the forefront of what you do is improv and clown improv because you have to listen to everything your fellow performers say because, you know, they'll come in and go, oh, hi, Steve. And you have to remember your name, Steve. You have to know where you are, what, everything you say, you have to listen. Because you're and writing
0: then, on the spot. You're writing on the with, spot, exactly. With, with other, yeah, you know,
1: nice. And then clown because you have to listen to the audience. Mm. Uh, you know, one of the first rules in clown is if there's a laugh, you look to, you look at the person who laughed. And to learn to do that, having come from comedic theatre, was a massive massive thing because t- that's what we do as a kid if we, we do something and someone laughs and we look straight at them and we, we, we beam with smile and then we, tr- we do the same thing again to try and make that same person laugh and then it's beat out of you because it's called showing off you're like don't show off so then as adults we make people laugh and they're laughing and we, we stop ourselves from looking we're kind of like oh they're laughing at me, and they're laughing at what I did but I'm not going to look because that'll, that'll show them that I that I enjoyed I think it was sort fact.
0: of back in the box like, yeah. I was a bit naughty there but now back in the box like, Yeah,
1: Ugh. and so class is going back to me a kid again you do something, someone's laughing and you look straight at them and you, and you, and you say it in your head that was funny wasn't it, you go, do you want to do it again so you do it again and they laugh and you go yeah and then you keep doing it and they stop laughing and then, you, then you're then like oh, they didn't find that funny and that moment too is also very funny seeing an adult disappoint, like, genuinely like the moment disappointed that they've stopped being funny
0: what about the moment that you've milked it to... Well, I, I say milk it, and I, I, you didn't say that. But if you've you've repeated it and the, the kind of the smile, the laughter, disappears... Yeah. How, how, maybe we should get to it later, but that happens as well.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, like a great way to deal with the flop, and you don't want to go to this all the time, is to name that as well. So you do it, and you do it again, and then, and then you do it again, and I don't laugh, and you go, oh... It's like, only funny the first two times, wasn't it? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. first time wasn't as good, was it? Like if you genuinely acknowledge,
0: it makes me laugh now. Yeah, yeah, you
1: go, it wasn't. The first two were way better than the third round, wasn't it? And then quite often you can get away with the fourth, yeah. And you can go, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try it one more time. And then of course you do it again, and it gets a big laugh. Mm. Um, you know, when I mean, you don't want to constantly fall back on that because people see that trick, they go, oh, he's just naming everything. But it's always somewhere you can go.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So you realised this world of clown, the world of breaking the fourth wall, and the world of listening to your audience. And then, how did you get to Gaulier?
1: Um Yeah, I was sort of. I was at a point in my life where I could, I, I, could, I could leave London, and you know, so I went off to. I'd done a few workshops with people who had trained under Philippe mm. in in London and in Manchester, and then uh, there was an opportunity where I could had a bit of money and had some freedom, so I went off to France and and trained with him um, and. Uh, and then yeah, we formed a clown troupe and we started to tour. We took a show out to Australia, The Plague of Idiots, um, and then
0: Plague of Idiots, a troupe. How many?
1: There was originally the six,
0: I think. Who set it up?
1: Uh, it was all of us, the six oh. of us. From we were the ones who sort of at the end of the well, some of us anyway, who had shows had like numbers in the final show at Galleria, which did well. So we were like, oh, I wonder if we could do this as a show. So we came, did it in London for a few nights at the Hen and Chickens, and then. Um, and then I said to everyone, "Guys, do you want to take this to Australia?" And <laughs> we are a plague of idiots. And everyone was like, "Yeah!" It was like a you know a Swiss girl, two Italian guys, a Frenchman, an Englishman, and then the me, the Aussie. And we took this clown show to Australia. We did the Western Australian Circus Festival, Perth Fringe World, Adelaide Fringe, and um, you good?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Sorry, just and, Um Yeah, so good.
1: And, uh, and it went really well, and then the Guild of Balloon were out there. Karen Corran from the Guild of Balloon, which is an Edinburgh venue, And she said, "Come and bring it to Edinburgh." So I said to the idiots, "Do you want to do it in Edinburgh?" And they were like, "Yeah." Because we weren't making any money, you can't travel internationally the was
0: in Edinburgh. Yeah, so that was we your first to, time.
1: Yep. Yeah. So we did Edinburgh there. We did Edinburgh for two years in a row. So which idiots. year was that? That was two thousand fifteen, I guess. Mm, okay. And then again, two thousand sixteen. Also, with a new show which was called Waltzing Matilda, which was just mm. me and Lulu. Plague of Idiots and we did a kids show that year as well which was too much we did three shows mm. most days um, okay
0: so you got your experience with um, creating a clown show obviously with others you got your experience with going to Edinburgh with your your own show and you had your experience with taking a show even overseas somewhere else yeah so that's that's a nice um nice experience
1: mm. and, I, and I think look I mean there's a lot of ways to go about this kind of stuff but for me it would never have happened if I'd if I'd sat down and crunched the numbers, mm-hmm. and it never would have happened if I'd put some forethought into it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I just went, guys, let's do this, and mm-hmm. everyone said, yeah, let's do it. And we all lost a lot of money, but we had a wonderful time.
0: It's a foundation, isn't it? Yeah,
1: and it's, I mean, for me, anyway, it was the launchpad into... Not only did the character Gary Starr come from that, but it gave me the access to this to this whole world of the fringe circuit, so it wasn't scary then, because I'd been there and I'd done a show. Yeah. So when it was the thought of taking a solo show to Australia... It didn't seem like a stretch, mm.
0: and so the Gary Star, um character was already part of this plague of idiots. Show.
1: Yeah, he became so. It started off as his name was Monsieur Loyal, and I was this sort of you know English toff, and I wore a, a three piece suit, you know. And this was the character, and, and and then we worked with the director who actually directed my two solo shows, Calma Crystal, on um, on Plague of Idiots just How, for a few though? days.
0: How? Because that sounds really casual and stuff, but. How does, how does a director, um, like, come crystal So we'd done
1: Australia. We'd done that little London run, and we did three festivals in Australia. And then we sat down with the idiots, and we said, okay, do we want to do Edinburgh? Being fully aware that we're going to lose more money. And if we, if we all want to do it, what do we want to do differently? And we all agreed that we wanted to work with a director.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we said, okay, who's, who's the best director that we can think of for Clown? And we will count Crystal, because he's incredible. He's one of the best directors in the world for Clown. So I sent him an email, you know i think i sent him some clips as well and i said this is who we are because he'd also trained with philip golier and uh, i said will you i didn't ask him to direct i said will you work with us for a few days and he said yes so you know we paid him obviously and we got together and we showed him what we had because we already had a show mm. and he he just he first of all, he came in he changed all our costumes he's like okay this these costumes you've got they make sense to to golier people but like, for example, Richard was a Boy Scout. He said, you come out and say you're a Boy Scout and then you don't act like a Boy Scout. We're like, why is he not acting like a Boy Scout? Mm. So he's the one who said, I just want you to wear what you consider to be your best. And so we all sort of suited up in these, in these sort of, you know, highbrow outfits, but all completely mismatching highbrow outfits. And it worked all of a sudden because people saw that we were
0: a trying, <laughs> yeah, trying
1: to present something which was very highbrow, but we were very low intelligence. So all of a sudden that made sense. Um, and then he restructured the scenes he, he, sw- he, he ordered the show he's very good at, at um, putting a bunch of scenes in order to create a show because he directs circus too like Gifford mm. Circus. so he'll get all the different acts who have already got acts and he'll go this needs to go there, this goes there here, put a song there, put that there, put that there and it just goes bang so he really tightened the show up for Edinburgh and then we got some great reviews in Edinburgh um, off the back of that
0: I'm really sorry, this is the second year, third year in Edinburgh second year
1: this was the first time Oh, the first one yeah. already?
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, and then when we, when we went back to second year as well with a couple of new shows too.
0: And also with Cal.
1: Uh, we didn't work with him again because it was the same show but slightly tweaked.
0: And you, you had kind of you, you, you gained from him what you needed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, so it's always
1: been, it would have been beneficial to have him along again, but uh, I think it was a mistake going back a second year with a, a, like almost the same show because we didn't. We didn't take a step up. We were thinking that we kind of, you know, would have got an audience from the first one, and then that would have grown for the next year. But it didn't because we were bringing back the same kind of show. Mm-hmm. You've got to go back to something completely new. Um, so it was it was okay. I mean, we didn't, you know, I mean, we have we still average like 50 people a night, which is incredible for Edinburgh, especially yeah. when we didn't spend anything on marketing. Like we had no posters or mm. anything like that.
0: And yeah. Anyway, so what? What then was the um, jump to? Saying goodbye to the Plague of Idiots. Does yeah. it still
1: exist? Yeah, I mean we still we still talk about doing a show, but the re- I mean I can't at the moment because Gary's really taken off and so that's taken up all my time. So um, how
0: did how did that jump go?
1: Um, so I moved to Berlin because I realised that I wanted to make work more than I actually moved to Berlin after the first Plague of Idiots show, mm-hmm. so 2016 I guess, and um, lived there for a while because I wanted to start creating my own work more, um, and yeah, I just did a bit of improv and did um and started to develop Gary as a solo character, and I built up probably about 30, 40 minutes of material. So I was there for 18 months, and then I came back to London and wrote to Cal again, said, so look, I'm going to do a solo show now. Do you want to work with me? And he said yes. So we worked together for a full week this time, and we created Gary Star Performs Everything. Um, and uh, and a lot of that was to do with the fact that, because I knew it was sort of always there, I was you know doing the scene, doing the scene, building, building a bit more, mm-hmm. but then one of my mates... Uh, Sent me an email, you know. Sent me a, a wedding invitation in Australia, and at the time I was so broke, you know. And I thought oh, I really want to go. I don't want to miss another friend's wedding. Really good friend. And then I looked when the Adelaide Fringe was on. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. I can do two weeks of Adelaide, go straight to my mate's wedding, and then come back to the UK. So I can justify, you know, going that going mm-hmm. for two weeks um, for this. And so that was when I said to Cal, let's make a show. And...
0: Um.
1: Yeah. <laughs> She's thinking, just so you know, just so people um, <laughs> I listening think, at home, I a really the good silence is, is Robin thinking.
0: Gary Starr, when you say uh, Gary, yeah, you said Gary Starr Performs Everything was created for that. But um, because uh, for the people who haven't seen Gary Starr Performs Everything, Gary Starr is an actor the the show is a, is a masterclass on on acting acting has died and he's bringing back it back to life
1: yeah theater i guess Theater's theater theater sorry yeah. okay
0: theater so it's 14 disciplines 14 different yeah 14 takes genres
1: on... in less than 60 minutes
0: yes uh, from a character that um believes he he is the best in everything and and knows it and can help people
1: yeah he's he's slightly misguided uh disgraced Shakespearean actor I say and the, the the backstory is that he gets kicked out of the Royal Shakespeare Company and uh, decides that the arts are going to die without him so he mounts his own show in which he performs every single genre of theatre in under an hour in order to save the performing 40. arts hmm. from inevitable extinction and you know there's some there's some really obvious when you do classical and um, uh, like melodrama and but then he also does things like Butoh which is a Japanese dance theatre so there's a few you know weird ones in there as well.
0: Yeah. No, it's well, yeah. For the ones in Australia, it's uh, they're lucky that they can go and see it now in 2019, because it's Mm. not it's not in the planning for the UK. Um, I haven't
1: got any more dates booked for the first show because I'm going to come back and do the new show, Mm. which I've just developed and just previewed here in, in London. And which will premiere at the Adelaide Fringe Festival on the fifteenth of February,
0: which is similar to the first one. Gary Star performs everything. Yeah, same guy.
1: There. Yeah, and the same, same. You know, I previewed. In fact, it's almost identical. I created it in December with Cal. Previewed in December, two shows or was last time I did three shows, and then it premiered at the Adelaide Fringe before doing a, a run at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and that's essentially what I am doing with this one, the new show.
0: So you did, and then you did Australia. And uh, it went so, and you went straight to Edinburgh then, or did you have? Yeah, you have pre-shows.
1: Yeah, I came back and I did Brighton Fringe, Manchester Fringe, and Buxton Fringe, and, and you won prizes. I did win prizes. I think in all of them, no, Buxton, I was nominated for a prize. But still, it helps. Yeah, but I got the Comedy Award in Manchester. I got nominated for the Comedy Award in Brighton, but won different award, the Other Place Award.
0: So, first show is touring Australia now and premiering the second show. Second show is going to Edinburgh. This might sound more provocative or challenging than I mean it, but when you say you took the second plague of idiots to Edinburgh and that might have been a mistake because it wasn't as different, how is this second show, Gary Starr, different from the first one you you did in 2018 in Edinburgh? Well, I mean, it's a
1: completely different show. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, it's a different premise. It's it's the same guy, but he's... Look, There's there's a similar feel to it in that he's doing lots of scenes but he's got a different reason for doing it in the new show, which is called Gary Star Conquers Troy um, Which is also, you know, I mean, I think it's a good title, but I don't know if it's completely sums up what the show is because it's this time around it's a yeah. it's a
0: very good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but this time around we had to we had to start selling the show before we knew what it was Whereas performs everything I made the show first I had a really clear idea of what it was and then found the title. Yeah Whereas this one, we were like, okay, what are we going to do for the next show? And I was like, well, maybe something to do with Greek mythology. Okay, what sounds like a good title? The title of with Conquers Troy. Whereas the show has become more about, uh, and Gary, you know, on the back of the success of his first show, has decided that he's going to write a book on acting because he's qualified to do that now. (laughs) Um, And so the new show is him, uh, you know, launching his new book on acting. But it's heavily influenced by Greek mythology um, with a, at the moment anyway a, um, a final scene which really explains Troy like it's like why is it about Troy um, but uh, it's, it's a totally different vibe it's the people who see the, who see the first one I think really enjoyed the fact that they're like oh yeah it's the same guy trying to do something way beyond his means um, and having very little understanding of what he's doing but doing it with gusto. Mm. And so that's the similarity, but it's a, it's a completely different show. So
0: at the same time, for people who are watching it for the first time and getting to know Gary Starr, it will still make sense.
1: Yeah, and I've, I made a point of not having any reference. There's a couple of times where I sort of will reference the first show without making a point of it. Mm-hmm. Like I'll say something, which people who've seen the first show will go, oh, he's, he's saying that because in the first show this happened. So it'll get, it'll, you know, you may get a laugh or not, but the people who, who haven't seen the first show won't feel like they're missing out. They may mm-hmm. be like, oh, that was a bigger laugh than I thought, I wonder why that was funny. But I don't think you need to see the first one in order to get the second one.
0: And from a production perspective, how did you how did you approach that? Because obviously, this was still you doing it on your own. You approaching Cal, you creating mm-hmm. it. How did a produ- you work with a producer? Actually.
1: I work with a producer for touring the show, mm-hmm. um, Milky, who's in um, in Melbourne. But I I produce the show myself, so I make it myself with my own money, um, and I pay everyone who's involved. Um, an upfront fee, so there's no, there's no, no one owns any any residual payments mm-hmm. from the show because I want a complete ownership over my work. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't plan to work with another producer for touring other than Laura Milky in Melbourne. So essentially, from now on, she'll take a cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's no, she doesn't have any ownership over the mm-hmm. work, and I, for me, that was really important that that I I made it myself, which means it's really low budget. Like both shows I've made for. Um, you know, less than two and a half grand, mm. which for me was yeah, it was it was really important to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, but it's also touring the world, so it it's a it's a beautiful and inspiring proof that it can be done, and it's yeah. not about the budget per se. It's about yeah. the it's about the work.
1: And also, I've never applied for flank funding either because I didn't. I've never wanted to uh, for someone else to. Oh, we've gone. Have we gone too long? Gone no, long it, there's no minutes. too long. It's just okay. a
0: good chat, but and I want to continue talking, but I also the reason for these shorter amount of uh, um minutes is because um my personal attention span normally but not obviously when i'm in the conversation um but i think it's it's uh, it's it's good if we keep it short and sweet but I, I overall you you did it and you did it yourself and it's it's um it's kind of bulletproof because it's 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 clear and it's a it's a wonderful character it's a it's a gorgeous show and it's and you're you're doing it and it's it's really really great to see um that happening from from years and years of of i don't know if ser- that's not your word but searching or trying which i recognize maybe a lot of if if it's performance or not it's creating isn't it yeah so it's it's it is really really good to see something mm click in.
1: It's funny because I I, mean, I, always, I always knew that I'd have a solo show at some point, even from way back when I was in drama school. But my idea of what it would be was very different. Mm. But it doesn't feel like I was ever really searching or trying to find it. I was just no. kind of waiting. Like I knew it would happen. And I just kept following the things that enjoyed me and challenged me, which were quite often one and the same. Um, and it, And it emerged. And I mm-hmm. trust that. And I remember still being back at drama school. A lot of people saying things like putting a time limit. You know, I'm going to give it, going to give it a crack for like four or five years. And if I haven't made it, then I'm going to go and do something else. And that that was just never my attitude towards it. I was like, well, Mm. I'm always going to. Back then, I said act, but what I meant was perform. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I just kept questioning. I always asked myself the question, even when I was like working as an actor before I moved into clown. When I took any job, would I do this job if, if I wasn't getting paid? And if the answer was no, then I wouldn't do the job. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I was doing anything to make money, then I, I would be doing anything but acting. Like, mm-hmm. If you want to do a job to make money, go and do something that, mm-hmm. that is secure and safe, get a degree. But if you're, if you're going to chase a dream and a passion, then the moment you start to make a living from it, you're going to start to compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's something that you completely made yourself. Or, if you're pl- or adore and love and still and love. get inspired yeah, yeah.
0: by okay I think that's a nice one to, uh, to end, end on. on yes yes and well and lastly uh, third show
1: I think there's three in Gary yeah I mean I'm already starting to have ideas for other characters and talking about collaborating with other people as well with series? bits and pieces you yeah three? I think I think there's a, I think there's Tell a web you. series in it I think it's a got a fly on the wall mockumentary of Gary you know trying to succeed but, hmm. but failing um Yeah, I think there's three three stage shows in Gary.
0: Okay, well we look forward to it. Thanks very much. Thanks for your time. And here we